Matthew chapter 6. And then in the back of our hymnals, to read the questions and answers questions and answers together just one just one question uh, page 62 Matthew 6 verses 9 through 13 God's word given to us for our good let us hear then our Lord's words as he taught his disciples to pray This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then question and answer 125. What does the fourth request mean? Give us this day our daily bread means. Do take care of all of our physical needs so that we come to know that you are the only source of everything good and that neither our work and worry nor your gifts can do us any good without your blessing. And so help us to give up our trust in creatures and to put trust in you alone. So we continue this evening uh, considering prayer and specifically what we learn about prayer through uh, the Lord's Prayer, that Jesus, uh, what Jesus, Jesus teaches us when he taught his disciples to pray in this way, and we have said that prayer is a couple of things. First, it is communication with God, a communication with, with God whereby we bring our adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication all uh, through our mediator, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father. But prayer is also a means of grace. Not only is it how we communicate with God or how we, we talk with God, But it's also a means of grace. It's how God blesses us. It's how he nourishes our souls. He brings us closer to Christ. He assures us of all the benefits that we have in salvation in and through him. And so the first three requests of this prayer have have drawn our attention to God in heaven. And and it really has been sort of this, this jolting reality check on the way that we tend to fall back into viewing the world. And so often when we come to God in prayer, we realize that we need prayer first and foremost so that our perspective can be refreshed, so that we can be reminded of the fact that we have a heavenly father and that uh, his, his heavenliness is not something that ought to frighten us. His heavenliness is something that comforts us and liberates us because His heavenliness is uh, taken right alongside his 
fatherliness. We have a a heavenly father and, and we adore him. We worship him. We bring our adoration before him in our prayers. And and that really is what the first part of the Lord's Prayer is all about, which is in many ways different than the way that people normally or naturally think about prayer, isn't it? The way that people normally or naturally think about prayer is that that's when you ask God, and they they may be thinking about various gods, who knows, but that's when you ask God uh, for the things that you want or the things that you need. Uh, You go to God and you ask him. You ask that he would grant those things to you. And in tonight's uh, petition, we see that the the, the prayer shifts in that kind of a direction. It's a a petitionary kind of prayer that's relative to our lives. Give us today our daily bread. But uh, we first must realize that there's a reason why we haven't gotten to this point yet. Why we haven't got to the point in the prayer where we ask for something that we need. We ask for God to take care of our necessities because Christian prayer, as Jesus has taught us, begins at that place of worship and adoration. We adore God first. We put him on the throne of our hearts and our lives. When we do that, we enter the true purpose and the ultimate meaning of prayer. And it's through viewing it that way that when we think about tonight's petition, it makes uh, even more sense. And so as we consider tonight uh, what it means to ask God to, to give us our daily bread, I want us to be thinking about three things. The first is that in order to understand, uh, give us today our daily bread, we must be first convinced of God's desire to meet our needs. We must be convinced of God's desire to meet our needs. He is a heavenly father who loves to shower good things upon his people. And so as we come to God praying that he would give us our daily bread, we must be convinced uh, that uh, of his desire to meet our needs. Secondly, we must be satisfied in God before we ask. We must be satisfied in God before we ask. And finally, we must be worry-free in our Father's arms. Worry-free in our Father's arms. So leading, that leads us then uh, into thinking about what this petition means. Give us today our daily bread. The, the early church father, Augustine, said that bread was a a symbol for anything that is a necessity. And I think that's right. Jesus using bread is is a bit of a symbol for anything that's a necessity because it's really one of the most foundational staples for human existence, especially at that time. Many people would get from day to day uh, simply by having uh, a piece of bread. So there are many people today who who no longer eat bread. There are a couple of uh, of diet fads out there where people really swear off the bread. And so if you're, if you're one of those people uh, too cool to eat bread or you don't like eating bread, there is still a lesson in here for you so you don't get to ignore the fact just because Jesus says to pray for bread. It's a symbol for anything that we need, for uh, necessity. Jesus says to pray for the things that we need. That doesn't mean that we can never pray for things we might not necessarily need for things that we may want. Again, Jesus says in Matthew 7, God desires to give good things to his children. But in the 
the, the, the basic template of the Lord's Prayer, one of the things that Jesus is doing is, is uh, think about where it, it occurs, right? It occurs in, in the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is, again, that, that jolting reality check on our lives. It, it's Jesus talking about the kingdom of God and, and what the kingdom of God does uh, relative to the life and the reality that we take in, that we see around us. And so this prayer is largely a, a, a prayer centered around the kingdom of God. And that's why it focuses on necessity. Jesus is teaching us to have the pleasures of God's glory first in our lives. And so one of the things that may pop into our head as we think about this request and this part of the Lord's Prayer is we'll think to ourselves, well, we've been dealing with all of these these heavenly things, the adoration of God, the worship of Him, uh, thinking about who He is and taking time, setting aside time, to allow our knowledge and our appreciation of who God is to nourish our souls. That's what happens when we're praying, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Especially last week, what did we see? We're thinking about the heavenly angels and the souls of those who have died in Christ who are in heaven now, perfectly obeying the will of God. And we we ended our service by singing uh, Psalm 103, serve him ye angels, wondrous in might. Um, And thinking about all those heavenly things, you may think to yourself, so how can the prayer then shift to something so mundane, to something so earthly as uh, to be speaking about bread? And this has led many people to conclude that that's really not what Jesus means here. He is a spiritual meaning of bread. He could have been talking about himself. He talked about himself as uh, the bread of life. And the, the Roman Catholic Church especially believes here that this, in this prayer, uh, Jesus is speaking about the Eucharist, uh, the, the bread of the Lord, which is daily made available in the Mass. But to take this, this part of the prayer that way, I think, would be to ignore what seems to be clearly in front of us. And there's no reason for us to think that Jesus would have meant that. And we see no uh, reference, especially if Jesus is talking about the Lord's Supper, there probably would have been a reference to uh, the cup as well. And I think the, the instinct that's operative there that makes a lot of people say, Jesus didn't want to talk about bread, so that can't be what he's talking about here. I think the instinct there is that people tend to think that God should not have to concern himself with our physical bodies. And God should not have to concern himself with the tangible needs that we have. But again, to understand this prayer, this part of the prayer, we need to be convinced that God is concerned and happy to meet our needs. And to think that God would not concern himself with meeting tangible physical needs is to ignore the witness of Scripture. And we think, first of all, the, the fact that God created the world. And in all the things that he created, he called them good. Uh, Human beings with the needs, the ongoing needs that they would have. All of the animals that he created that would have an ongoing need to be nourished. God created all of that and he pronounced it good. And so now, even though we live under the curse of sin and death and creation in many ways has been turned upside down, we need not think about our physical bodies as being inherently sinful. There was a time when human beings, Adam and Eve, with their physical bodies, were not inherently sinful. So we live under the curse of sin. We live with a corrupted nature. 
But we must not let that uh, convince us that our physical selves are inherently uh, sinful. And we look further into the witness of God's word. And what we see again and again is that God cares about meeting all of the needs of his creation. Psalm 147. He gives to the beasts their food and he gives to the young ravens that cry. Psalm 145, we read it earlier this this evening. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Psalm 104 says that the eyes of all look to God, and he gives to them their food. All good things come from God, as we have been reminded already uh, tonight. This is what God does. He cares for us through provision. And our bodies are not inherently sinful. Though they exist under the curse of sin now, they will be redeemed. In the early church, there were, there were a lot of problems around this kind of thinking. This thinking that the, the, the body is, is so wrong and it's evil. And the best thing that can happen is for your soul to be freed of your physical body. And it was for that reason that there were many heresies in the church that had to do with confusion around Jesus Christ and people started spreading the false teaching that Jesus wasn't really human. He only seemed to uh, be human. The Apostle John uh, goes to great lengths to, to speak against that kind of thinking. He says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. You must confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. You must confess that he is truly man. Yes, a God-man, but truly man. So God is concerned with the health and the nourishment of our bodies. And he is delighted to meet all of those needs. And we need to understand first and be convinced that God delights to meet those needs. We must be convinced of that. In the book of 3 John, the beginning, we read this. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. There is this connection between the health of our bodies and the health of our souls. We are, we are beings that we, we can't disassociate our, our physical selves from our spiritual selves completely. God knows this. God has made us that way. And so God delights to meet our needs. We must be convinced We must be convinced of that if we want to understand this part of the prayer. And we must allow that to inform the way that we think about it. Jesus would have no problem talking about praying that God would give us daily bread. Others think it is odd that this request would be uh, for physical needs because uh, it might seem selfish. Why does Jesus teach us to pray for our needs as if ours are so much more important than others? But remember, Jesus has not taught us to pray for my bread. He has taught us to pray for our bread. And so all of God's children are to pray this in the same spirit. Thus, when we pray this, we ask God that he would attend to the needs of all of his children. I found a quote, a nice little quote from a Reformed theologian who said this. We pray for all of God's children who, together with us, address God as our Father. And we thus pray for the entire church of God uh, to care for them and that God would care for them and provide food and shelter for them so that they may be able to live. And that the world may see that you are their God and Father who protects and cares for them. 
Be convinced that God delights to meet the needs that we have. Two of the clearest results of praying this way uh, is that we are sanctified in two different ways. The first is this. We become satisfied with the portion that God gives us. When we pray that God would give us our daily bread, we, we become satisfied with what God gives to us in relation to others around us. We know that God gives in varying degrees, doesn't he? Others, uh, some have more than others. But when we pray this way, we learn to not be upset when our neighbor, when our brothers or sisters in Christ receive an abundance of blessing because we have been praying that God would provide for them. Just as we have been providing that God would provide, we have been praying that God would provide for our needs. And so what would it mean if we then turned around and became embittered against our brothers or sisters in Christ because of the blessing that God had shown them? It would show that we really didn't mean it when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. True love and peace in the body of Christ rests upon the notion that we would not be filled with envy when we see God providing an abundance of blessing to those around us. So we rest in God's sovereignty and we are satisfied with the portion that he gives to us in relation to others around us. So first we are satisfied and the second is that we are encouraged towards generosity. We are encouraged towards generosity. Not only do we humbly rest in what God gives us, in battling our instincts to envy and become embittered, but we are encouraged to give generously. This is one of the most magnificent aspects of this prayer. Because if God grants to you an abundance of blessing, and as you pray, give us this day our daily bread, thus you're praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ, it may be that God is giving you an opportunity to be the instrument through whom your very prayers are answered. If God has given you an abundance of blessing and you see a brother or a sister in Christ still lacking in some way, God may be giving you the opportunity to be the very instrument through whom your prayers are answered. So we are encouraged towards generosity as well as satisfied with what God gives to us. So that is that we are to be convinced that God wants to provide for all of our needs. The second thing is this. We are to be satisfied in God alone before we ask. Satisfied in God before we ask. There is this word which, uh, as it occurs in the Greek language, is a very mysterious word. And and it's caused a, a lot of discussion. And it's what we translate as daily. Daily. Uh, it's caused a lot, as I said, controversy throughout the years. Uh, various suggestions have been made. People think perhaps this means the bread for tomorrow. Perhaps it is the day that is now dawning. Some people just take it as today. It's a very rare word. Uh, but whether it is speaking of the day we are currently in or the day just ahead of us, no matter what, we are only asking God to provide food for one day. We are asking for his provisions uh, to, uh, for us to be granted for just one day. So we're not asking that God would give us enough riches so that we would no longer need his help, right? Give us the provision for a million days and we'll never have to ask you again. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's provision for just one day. And it's this aspect of this petition, give us today our daily bread, that points to the transformed heart 
that must go along with praying this part of the prayer. A transformed heart is essential to understanding this part of the prayer. I found an ancient prayer uh, that was used in Egypt. It was, this is called uh, the Prayer of Ramesses, who was, of course, a pharaoh. And listen to this prayer and see if you can tell a difference from the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. This is complete, by the way, start to finish. That, and thou shalt give me health, life and old age, a long reign, strength to all my limbs, sight to my eyes, hearing to my ears, and pleasure to my heart daily. Thou shalt give me to eat to fullness, and thou shalt give me to drink to drunkenness, and thou shalt promote my seed to be kings in this country to eternity and forever, and thou shalt make me content every day. Thou shalt listen to my voice in whatever I shall say to thee, and grant me very high Nile floods to furnish thy offerings and to furnish the offerings of the gods and goddesses." Seems almost like a joke, doesn't it, in the the way that we've learned to pray. This was Pharaoh's prayer that he would pray to Osiris, an Egyptian god. And how is he treating his god in that prayer? He's treating his god as a a genie, uh, not as a god to be worshipped and to be served and to be adored, but a genie who grants you all of your wishes. Notice there's no adoration at the beginning of that prayer. There's no taking time to... To realize to whom you are speaking. There's no, let's let's slow down here. This is the God of the universe. The maker of the heavens and the earth. When we turn to the Lord's prayer. When we finally get around to asking God to attend to our needs. Our basic tangible needs. What has happened? We have adored him. And that time of adoration has served to remind us that God is our true food the living water for our souls, and the air that we breathe. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we are renewing our minds. And thus, when we pray for our needs to be met, we pray out of a transformed heart, out of a completely different uh, perspective, which has been changed by our satisfaction in him and our trust that he will provide. It's It's a prayer that we pray Because we're already transformed. That's why it comes at this point in the prayer. In Exodus 16, God first gives manna to the Israelites. And the Lord tells them to only gather what they need for one day. And do you remember what happens? There are many people who can't really help themselves. And they they gather for more than one day. Because it's there. It's just that the manna is sitting on the ground. So why wouldn't they just gather more? Well, because God commanded them to only gather for one day at a time, except on Friday, gather for two days, so you didn't have to gather it on, uh, on the Sabbath. This is the folly of the human hearts, uh, wrapped up in thinking that, that, that we can control things that we cannot control. And Jesus is reminding us through uh, this prayer that we are to be satisfied in God first. We read in Proverbs 30, uh, a really interesting couple of verses that I think dovetail perfectly with what we're talking about tonight. It says this, Give me neither poverty nor, nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. We are to be satisfied in God alone. And when we pray, Give us today our daily bread, 
It means that God would grant us what we need and that we would trust that he would give us what we need one day at a time. Of course, there have been people in, in the history of the church that have taken this over literally, right? And, and to say that, you know, that, that means you can't have um, a savings account or that means, you know, you can't have food in the cupboard. And that's not, of course, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, evaluate how you trust God. Evaluate how you're satisfied in God. Do you trust him to provide for you one day at a time? Do you understand that you can't make tomorrow come about? Do you understand how weak and how frail the human, human beings are when they lay their heads down at night to sleep? You can't make tomorrow come. Only God can. So be satisfied in him alone. Be convinced that he delights to meet our needs. Be satisfied in him before you ask. And then finally, be worry-free in your father's arms. Be worry-free in your father's arms. We might say, finally, that uh, Jesus puts this prayer here so that we might wage war against our tendencies to worry. Our tendencies to worry. And maybe, uh, maybe I've thought about this uh, so universalistically because I, I'm a worrier. I think I'm kind of a worrier. So I tend to think that most people uh, are worriers or all people are worriers in some sense. And I think that that is true. And, and, and God knows that. God knows the tendencies that we have to worry, to worry, and he knew that we needed this perfect pattern of prayer that he gave to us, so that we would have something that would help us in our constant battles with thinking about things that we cannot control. Again, so this is part of what this petition is doing. It takes our tendency to view these enormous chunks of our lives. Remember in the book of James it says uh, there are those who are foolish who will say we will live here for a year or so and then we will go to this other town and live there for a year or so and we'll conduct this kind of business and, and then we'll come home. And how foolish uh, that is. We have no control over those things. We have to understand if we are to worship and adore God rightly and to understand who he is, we will simply let God provide for us in the day to day. One of the clearest reasons why I believe Jesus does mean basic necessities when he says daily bread, and we don't need to, to spiritualize it or think that he's talking about the Lord's Supper, is that he goes on to say in Matthew chapter 6 to talk about being anxious about how we will get what we need for tomorrow. You guys remember uh, I'm sure this passage, a beautiful passage, it says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. When we pray as we ought, we can be worry-free in our Father's arms. Selfishly, I hope to be the kind of father to my children who will understand what this means because of the way that I love for them and the way that I care for them, that they can be worry-free in their father's arms. I think it's the hope of, of every good father that a child can go into the arms of his or her father and uh, be worry-free. Jesus tells us to look around To look at all that God has arrayed in glory and splendor. And he says, you are of more value than all of it. The lilies of the field, the birds in the air, the mountains uh, that, that can leave anyone in awe. You are of more value than all of that. But how do we know? How do we know that we are of more value than the lilies of the field, than the birds of the air? We know that we are more valuable than they are, because our Heavenly Father gave that which was most valuable to Him, His only Son, for our redemption. He did not give Jesus Christ for birds or for flowers or for the most glorious mountain on the earth. He gave His Son for His chosen people. All of those who look to Christ and who believe in His work, who trust and who rest in Him and in Him alone. If God has given us His Son... Don't you think he can give us bread? The Gospel of John, Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The Lord's Prayer begins by filling us up on true bread, by reminding us how we get through this life, to remind us that when we think God does not care for us, he has already shown us that he not only cares, but that he loves us more than we ever know. We can be worry-free in our Father's arms. So this uh, petition comes over halfway through the prayer, at this point, so that we would not treat God like a genie, but might rest in knowing that he knows infinitely more about what is best for us than we do. And we rest in the fact that he has promised to give us good things and that which is good for us. So brothers and sisters, be the kind of person that God knows he can entrust with good things. Be someone who seeks first the kingdom of God And it's righteousness. Be worry-free in your Father's arms. For our call is to live like we truly believe that the God of the universe cares about providing for the simplest things that we need so that we might live to glorify Him. Let's pray. Father, you are... A loving Father, and we are humbled to be called your children. As you send us out now, may you impress that love upon our hearts. And may we rest in it, uh, knowing that you, you delight in meeting our needs. And that even when it doesn't feel that way or, or look that way in our lives, Father, give us the faith uh, to trust in you. I pray that you would protect us this week and that you would 
that you would shower your love, your blessing upon each one here uh, in and through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Assure them of, uh, of your love and your grace. And, uh, and Father, may we, may we come here again to this place to lift your name high and, uh, and to be blessed with the nourishment that only you can give. In Christ's name, amen. We end by singing number...